I which knew is, I would need to bring a sweater because Robbie likes everything so freaking cold. I, I do I? Yes. You are cold. You know why you're cold? Because you're shredded and ripped and not, no, healthy vegan no. freak. I'm woman. not a vegan. I eat everything. I'm it's an omnivore. It's not true. It is. I eat everything. It is. Oh, I guess you're right. I started eating red meat like again like a year ago, and I'm into it. I'm very excited that you're cooking tonight for us. I know you're the best cook. I mean, like legitimately. First of all. Academy Award-winning actresses should not be able to cook. <laughs> then they shouldn't. That's like mutually exclusive concept. That's reductive. We can be more than one thing, Rob. Oh, I haven't met many. <laughs> On today's podcast of Literally with Rob Lowe, I have one of my oldest pals in show business. Um, one of my closest friends to this day who usually is occupying a guest bedroom in um, our house, Academy Award winning actress and philanthropist and business tycoon and hilarious person, great mother, Gwyneth Paltrow. I do love cooking. I find it, it relaxes me. It's creative output. It's um how do you make the food look so good though? Cuz it, like it's yum yum yummy but it also looks like it's been doctored by those people on the set that put glycerin on it <laughs> with an eyedropper. I don't know. This, I didn't I don't I all I care about is how it tastes. But I try to make it look appetizing obviously, but I think if you're using good quality ingredients and you care about what you're doing it always looks good in the end. So you the, know what I mean? That's the theory of like when you cook it for yourself it always tastes better cuz you you've put love into yeah. it. Yeah. I think that's true. How long have I known you? I met you. <laughs> I want to hear your side of it before I give it my side. Okay. So I met Cheryl before I met you. I met Cheryl when I was. My wife, Cheryl. Yep. I met Miss the Mrs. Lowe when I was 15 or 16. She was a makeup artist at the time doing a certain Blythe Danner's makeup on the it. best. My mother. On I, I have my own Blythe thing, which we also <laughs> need to get to. Um, so she was doing um, my mom's makeup on this TV movie, and I went in down to visit. Is this was it in Florida? It was in Florida, and I was. A, I met Cheryl, and I was like immediately obsessed with her. First of all, she was dating Keanu Reeves, who was my celebrity crush. Mm-hmm. And she was so cool. And she knew that I was sneaking cigarettes and she would come smoke with me behind the trailer. And she taught me how to give a blowjob and, you know, all the classic Cheryl stuff. Um, And I just worshipped her. I thought she was literally the coolest chick of all time. And she was so awesome to me. And I was a high school kid. Like, the fact that she's loved me that much before I was anyone or anything, you know, same with you. Yeah, yeah. So then it didn't work out with her and Keanu. I don't know if you're aware. I, I am aware. Okay. So sadly for me. I am aware that I I, I, I did <laughs> I did best him in one regard. Well. At least I, one regard. At least one. At least one. He's pretty awesome, though. He's, yes. He's pretty. He's. He's done okay for himself, that kid. He's and he's still a celebrity crush. Let's face it; like he's, yeah, he's right, fifty something. He's and gorgeous, killing, killing it. I'm obsessed with his girlfriend. Anyway, he has great taste in women. Yeah, he does. amazing taste in women. Anyway, 
So then Cheryl started dating an actor named Rob Lowe, Mm. which was very exciting because, you know, Rob Lowe in the 90s was a dangerous and scintillating proposition. (laughs) (laughs) So. (laughs) Even if I'm purely domesticated and in the aughts, whatever we're in now. Right. Now you're domesticated. Back then it was another story. Yes, it was. Oh, wasn't it though? Do you miss those days of just flinging your D all over town? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Here's the good news. My family doesn't listen or care about anything, any content I produce. Perfect. So I can say, yes, I I miss it. And my (laughs) wife's not going to say shit because she, she, I could, I could do 300 hours of podcasts and you know, how many hours will she listen to? She won't, but she'll tell you she did. Yes, 100%. So this is a this is a free fire zone. Yeah. So anyway, then she started she was dating you, which was fantastic. And then I was like staying with you guys for a while. I was staying with her for a while. I was staying with her for a while and you guys were dating. And you made me really nervous cuz you were I was still like nervous of celebrities. And even though I'd grown up with my mom's friends who were celebrities or something more like they were like old people, you know, but yeah. you were Rob Lowe. It was very unnerving. <laughs> but can you imagine? So I've known you, I think since I'm 17 so, or 18. 16 or 17. I, cause I remember that you, when Cheryl moved in with me to my, my Miami vice. Oh my God. Do you that remember house? my Miami vice? Bachelor yes. Pod? I slept there multiple yes. times. Yeah. That you moved into the guest bedroom. Yes. And I remember you were either going to UCSB or... It was before that. Jesus Christ. It was before that. And it was such a bad... It was like a spaceship on the side of a hill. It was literally designed... Well, let's tell you all you need to know. When the realtor took me to look at the house, I bought it because it was 12 minutes away from the Hard Rock Cafe. I don't think you should admit that. I, I I know it's really bad. <laughs> By the way, the notion that the Hard Rock Cafe is so bad. is so bad. But was it ever a cool place oh, to go? It was un wow. But it, it it would be like today if like if that were were like Leo and you know Timothy Chalamet right. and all going to the Billie Hard Rock. Eilish right. We're getting French fries. That is so classic. I mean, L.A. during that time. Oh, it was a it's. It was pretty cool. I mean, it was, I wasn't inside Hollywood yet. I was trying, you know, I was going to go to college and then I was going to try to act, I guess. But it was so cool to be getting towed around town with you guys. I remember one time you took me to this place for brunch. Was it called Butterfield or something? Yes. Remember that? Yes. And there were so many celebrities in there eating brunch and I couldn't believe it. It was just, I think Billy Idol was in there eating. I think you're right. I remember Butterfield. I remember you had to walk down all these stairs. It was like a garden below yes. Sunset Boulevard. And like one of the Guns and Roses, I think, were in there. It was very, it was just, it was cool. It was very 90s because you were, very. like you and your parents lived a really normal life, even though you're, yeah. you're, both of your parents are show business icons. You you were like, it's well, true. well brought, very well brought up, very well educated. Very normal. Both I was blessed to know your dad and and love Blythe. You know, so my Blythe sideline Blythe Danner story is I was obsessed with Blythe when I was. Uh, she might have been my first crush. You know that yeah, we've talked about this. Of course, when she was in Future World, 
Amazing. Which she doesn't like when I bring that credit up. Do you notice oh, that? Oh, that's a terrible movie. It was much, it was a terrible sequel. <laughs> Why did he, oh God. I want you to do, can you do the whole interview as Blythe Danner? <laughs> it would be so good. It was totally, oh right, it was terrible. But I. um. <laughs> she's so cute. She's so cute. I, I had a book of, a, the, the book version of the script of Future World and had a beautiful picture of Blythe in it. And I thought she was the most beautiful thing I'd yeah. ever seen. Oh. Um, and so, but, and then your father, um, Bruce, that's how Cheryl knows you because she, she my, my wife, Cheryl, worked for Bruce. On that home, came after. Home Fires came yes. after? Home Fires came after. See, this is what people don't realize how far we go back. So far back. I like, mean, way, way back. Way. Like I was in high school or just finishing high school when I met you. And I knew, I met Cheryl when I was like in 10th grade, how, like Apple's age, I met her. Apple's age? Yes. Yeah. Okay, that I makes mean, me feel- I mean, I've known her forever. It makes you feel like an ancient person. You are. Right, well, I know. But I don't look it, do I? <laughs> um, tell me, I'm very interested in what lesson, what, what Cheryl's expertise was in the blowjobs. Gosh, I can't remember exactly. Oh, who are you kidding? No, I can't. I just remember it was, it was, it was less about remembering the technique, although I'm sure- Cool. That I implemented it immediately, the first chance I got. Yes, I'm sure. Um, but she was just, it was so cool to have someone treat me like an adult and, right. and see me as like a young woman and someone who was sexual. And she just made me feel so free. And, you know, I, as you said, I did have a very normal, you know, I, it, even though I came from people who worked in show business, I had a very you know, like a non-Hollywood kind Very of- Very stable, structured, right. like regular. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, it was like pretty, not not conservative politically, but just, you know, it was like a lot was expected of me. I had to study really hard. It was like I had, you know, so, and the gender roles were pretty defined. And, you know, my mother was- She's very prim. She's- When you say, is it? She's, I wouldn't say prim. I think she's just traditional and sort of, you know, she's like- yeah. And and of that era, right? Yeah, right? Of like we didn't talk about stuff like that. So for Cheryl to be like, okay, and then hold the balls and whatever, and I was like, what is happening? What is happening? She hasn't changed a bit. I know. I mean, listen, let's let's face it. I did I did a lot of research when I was looking for a wife. Oh, really? We didn't know that, Rob. And 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 we've been married twenty nine years. I know. And it's because. I've never met anybody like her. I've never met anyone. And and it's funny, I sat in Cheryl's makeup chair just as an actor, and she was my makeup artist, and that was it. And the way that she spoke to me and the way she valued me as a person. Yeah. And saw me as a person. Right. Was different than anybody ever. Yeah. And it's it's, it's, it's an amazing it's a beautiful quality. And she's so loving. And she's such a caretaker. And she's like this, such an amazing like Jewish mom, and it's all the food and the comfort and everything. But then there's this just wild side to her that's so fun to this day. Because I would never survive with somebody boring. No, I know. If if I wasn't with somebody, and, and I say this with all love, a little crazy, maybe more than a little, I would run roughshod. Yeah, no, she right? keeps you on your toes. Yeah. I think you guys have an amazing marriage, and like obviously. You know, I've known you guys for a long time and seen it through many chapters. And it's just so inspiring to see you both 
continue to make the commitment to grow together and like to keep finding honesty and new levels of authenticity and commitment and what that looks like over different decades. And I don't know, I think you guys are rad. Well, thank you. I mean, you, it's, I think it's important in, in life and in marriages to have friends that you can count on. Yeah. And that you can also see through the, the, I mean, and, I, and, and the same, I've seen you through so many chapters in your life. Beyond. I mean, beyond. It's I mean, crazy. you could, you could write a book. I know. And I'll leave that to you. Yeah. I, My secrets are too explosive. They're too good. They're so good. They, 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 we, we, we bury them to the, we bury the, them. The barriers of the deepest, but and even little things like your dad, I remember when you were nominated for uh, Shakespeare and remember when they used to have those crazy Miramax parties and everybody had to do charades. Oh yeah. No, those weren't the Miramax parties. Those were like, you would like actors. It was, it was actually sweet. It was like, Actors who had won in previous years would sort of like host game nights for people. It was like, remember? Yeah, it was a bit. It was a thing. It was like, a thing. We was, would have these these big nights. And yeah, I, game and I, nights. And I remember running into your dad at one at the one that was sort of done in honor of, of that you. Helen Hunt threw for me. That's right. Yeah. And I think I Matthew, my oldest, must have been about five or six, and I must have known where the road would lead with the, with the boys. Cause I said, what advice do you have for me? Cause Gwyneth has turned out so great, you know, for my, for raising my kids, like what, like what if they want to be actors? And I'll never forget. I call it the Bruce Paltrow rule, which is, you know, they can do, they can say they want to act all they want. They're not doing shit until they're 18. Yeah. You wanted, but you wanted, you wanted to, and he just threw the hammer down. I like, wanted to so badly, so badly. And, and people would, you know, Casting directors sometimes came up to me in New York, not knowing who my parents were, you know, asking me to audition for this or, and um, I always wanted to, but my parents refused to let me into the public eye. And then finally, when I was 18, I just kind of. Oh, it was a frenzy. I remember it. <laughs> I remember it was like, it would, it, the only thing I can think of it, it would be like um, the NFL draft. And people are just in a fucking, you know, who's going, Gwyneth Paltrow's being drafted first. Oh, my God. Uh, she's, uh, people are trading up to get Gwyneth Paltrow. Oh, my God. You know, God. it was, a, it was a, a, and like all the agents you were, you were meeting with, everybody knew. Like it was, like the fix was so in. But it's, it's weird, you know, because it's like, I, I, I don't know how I feel about it ultimately, that sort of advantage that, you know, kids, it's like we get doors open for us because of who our parents are, like your sons do, or my children would. Um, and so that's why I think it's so important, you know, as you say, to raise a kid that has a work ethic and whose values are, you know, they're aligned with yours or with their own sense of who they are, et cetera. So that, you know, because the truth of the matter is like the doors can be opened for you, but if you think about all the people who try and it doesn't happen. Yes. And that's what I mean. When I say the fix is in, it yeah. wasn't that it wasn't that people knew you were going to succeed because of where you came from. They knew you had the goods. Hmm. Well, thanks. And you had it from the first. What was the first great movie? That weird western with Oh yeah, Flesh and Bone. Flesh and Bone. That was a really. I love that. You're movie. great in it. It's <laughs> a great movie. It is a really good movie. It's good. It's a weird slow burner, but I love it. Such a good movie. Really good movie. But I was like, oh yeah, she's gonna be fine. She doesn't need to stay in my my guest room anymore. 
I still do, but no, you're, you're doing right now. <laughs> Nothing has changed. I've you're, never left. You are literally room. back in my guest bedroom. <laughs> the world I've never left. Hold that thought. We'll be right back. So now, what do you do with your incredible kids, who are incredible? Thank you. Um, and they always have, and again, like you always have been like, you look at, they're good kids. You, well, there's two things. They're good kids. And these are, and they're also like, they have it. Like, I mean, Moses, like charismatic, such a, like his energy of like love. And like, he's just want to, I just want to, I know. I just like to eat him. I know. I, like eat up. I know. It's really unbelievable. And Apple, I mean, it, that charisma, if we could harness <laughs> it, could power a large city. What are you going to do with that one? Oh. Just, you got your hands full, girlfriend. You better, I mean, what's the Bruce Paltrow rule look like for Apple? Yeah. I mean, again, you know, I won't let them, you know, sh- be public on any social media or anything like that. I try to keep them out of the public eye as much as possible. You know, now it's different because kids are like, can I have a YouTube channel? I want to. And I'm like, no, you can't. No, absolutely not. But everybody else, I'm like, you're not, you know, you have this other layer and they understand. And they're, um, but I think with, it's really been interesting to be her mother because as she's come into her own, it's almost like, you know, it's like watching her harness her own power with every passing year. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, what is this child here to do? You know, she's um, so bright and so funny. And so. She's hilarious. She's hilarious. And and Moses is so unique and so deep and like such an old soul. And yeah. And also really talented, like scarily talented. And you're and so you start as a parent, you think. All I can do for these kids is teach them right from wrong and teach them what work is. And how do you, and how do you go about doing that? Because I do find uh, we're both blessed with kids who have work, work ethic and understand work and want to work yeah. and aren't entitled. They're, look, no. they, they've grown up with everything in abundance and they are entitled, but they don't feel entitled, if that makes any sense. Yeah. I mean, I think... First of all, you model it, right? Like, you are an incredibly hard worker. So is Cheryl. Cheryl doesn't have to bust her ass 24-7 on her jewelry business, but she does. So the boys have grown up with two parents who have modeled what it means to work and what work looks like and trying to do both things at the same time. And I think when you work hard and they see that and you value your work, they fuse those things and they understand that work brings value to someone's life and sense of self. And, you know, my kids work hard. I think they see, they see their parents working hard, working hard to achieve something. And so I think that's the first part of it. You know, we model it. And then you make them work for stuff. You know, I don't, I really have tried not to just hand them things, (laughs) Um, which, you know, a lot of people do and no judgment, but, you know, my father always made me have a job after school until I was in 11th grade because then there was too much homework and SAT practice and whatever. Um, and Apple has a job. She works in retail, 
not currently because the stores obviously are closed, right. but she came to me one day and she was like, I really want to get a job at this store. And I was like, great. Perfect. Okay. I'm, t- I'm totally supportive. And then I didn't hear anything about it for a while. I was like, do you need help? And, you know, in any way, she was like, no. And then a few weeks later, she came to me. She's like, I got the job. Please sign my W-2. Please sign, you know, permission. Cause I'm not, it was unbelievable. Oh my God. And she, she, that's who she is. So I don't know. So she's if- a self-starter. She's a self-starter. She's, I, she really is. So, you know, I don't know. I also think that with kids, like, I I read this quote once from, I think it was from Banksy that said, a parent will do absolutely anything for their child, except let them be exactly who they are. It's so true. Like, we come at our kids with so much projection and, oh, God, if they're not like this, then it says this about me. Or I'm so worried if they don't do that, then they're going to f- experience the pain of life. And I've tried to adopt this thinking around it that's like, it's okay if you get hurt. It's okay if you fail. Like, I think our generation of parents got this memo. I was reading this woman, Glennon Doyle's book. It's called Untamed. And she said our generation of parents got this memo that like, we're going to, we're going to keep you from everything. We're going to do everything we can, you know, to make sure you never feel an ounce of pain or left out. Or, you know, when the teacher calls us and says, you know, you've done something wrong, we're going to get in the teacher's face and say, I don't think you know my child. And, you know, basically that our philosophy is don't let them get hurt. And I don't know exactly what it's in reaction to. Like, I don't know what, how we were parented or how, you know, how it all comes together, but it really struck a nerve with me because I think we have to let our children experience life. And, you know, life is like the first rule of Buddhism says suffering. Like we suffer here. It's really hard and it's part of it. And we want our children to know who they are, to have good manners and to have resilience. Right. So that's what I try to do. Well, and I think that we come at, and I agree, it's the same. We come at that. I think the other part is, and I'm not saying anything about your parents, just from mine. I think that generation had a level of narcissism that we don't, that we don't have. Like uh, my, my parents were very, very self-involved and right. I felt really, really, really on my own. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's funny because that's what Glennon says is that our parents' generation were like, their memo was, yeah, okay. what, yeah, what was there? Their memo, she says, is like, um, okay, we're home from the hospital. You look after yourself. I'm going to smoke and talk to the other adults and, like, don't come home till dinner. Yeah, and you're right? on your own. Like, you're on your own. Which is also beautiful. Yeah. Like, like the days of, like, running around the yard and then coming home only when the dinner bell rang. Yeah, I know. The stuff my parents used to let me do. Oh, my gosh. Well, when I moved, when I was a young actor and I moved to California... From Ohio, I was 12 and we lived out on Point Doom and we figured out that Point Doom in Malibu, the only reason we lived there was my mother was a universal allergic or so she thought. We don't really know. I think she was just a hypochondriac. And um, we, the air quality in Point Doom was supposedly so great. That's why we, we, we moved there. But I would take the bus alone from Point Doom to Santa Monica, get on a different bus, take it from Santa Monica to Beverly Hills, get on a different bus, take it from Beverly Hills to like deep in Hollywood, audition, 
do my homework repeating back to wow to point doom and and like they we never thought anything of it yeah i mean when i was i moved to new york when i was 11 from santa monica and i was out i mean i was on multiple subways going downtown to my friend julia's house walking the streets you know and then you have an a, an 11 year old and you're like wait a minute what i'm supposed to let you out on the subway alone like this seems nuts but i actually think there's something to it I, it, it is that weird thing of when you look at your kids at, and realize what you were doing at that age. I know. It's but shocking. Now, did you, I read this article of maybe six or eight months ago that uh, there was a brother and a sister, you know, maybe I want to say five and seven, who lived somewhere in, in the Midwest and they walked to school every day. It was like, you know, half a mile walk. And people kept calling child services. Because they saw these kids alone walking. I mean, that's... That's where we are. That's where we are. That's so insane. Yeah. Well, and you know, the other thing about you, this could be, this could, such a, could turn into the, the gooeyest love oh, fest Oh, God. I ever love you too, though. Imaginable. But <laughs> um, you 100% are the pioneer of, and I don't want to use this word I'm about to use because it's so icky. Vagina eggs? Well, there's that, which that's a whole other second podcast. Okay. You, if you thought you were getting out of this without telling about <laughs> vagina eggs. You don't know me very well. Um, it's not reinvention, but brand, but branding is gross. I hate that word. Why? It's okay. It's okay? Yeah. Okay. Then I'm going to say it. But I mean, I remember when you were starting Goop and when you were, like I said, I've been, we've been through it all together, but I don't think anyone has any idea how hard you have worked and work. They, there's no way they do. No fucking way do they know. I think probably the only people who would know are other entrepreneurs who've started companies and go through the same kind of thing. There have always been people starting companies, but there were not people in your position who went, oh, not only am I going to be an Academy Award winning actress, but I have this other thing that I'm going to do. Now it's almost, you almost have to do that. Mm. Like, you and it's all good. You've been a trailblazer and, and, and enabled people and shined a light so people can go. Hey, there are other opportunities if you're interested and you feel like you have the goods. But before you, the- well, I feel like there were some people who had you know shown interest in other things and you know other actors who were entrepreneurial. But I think I I really didn't want. You know, I didn't want to act really, you know, you know me. I mean, I've never really, I I never really felt like it was at a certain point. You know, I do believe that we have chapters and we live chapters of our lives. And there was a period of time where acting was what I did and what I loved for part of it, certainly. Um, but at a, after I had Apple, and we were just talking about this upstairs, but I I really felt like I got in touch with some other calling that I had and and I always loved business and I was always fascinated by it and always reading about it. And um, and I didn't know when I started Goop that it was I would ever be able to figure out how to monetize it or that I, that I would ever even be able to hire somebody to, you know, one person to work on it with me, let alone 250 people. Um, and it's been the most incredible experience. I love it so much. It is so hard and so incredibly educational and expansive. And I have to be so, I have to, I start every day almost at square one, you know, just with the mindset of learning and, 
I just love it. It's, it's the best, it's the most exhilarating time professionally I've ever had. Do you feel like, um, on any given day I've done it or do you like, how do you but I, on, on, on certain given days, I'm like, I can't fucking do this anymore. Like, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going to fail. This is way too hard. I don't know what I've gotten myself into. And you do I, have those feelings. Yeah, sure. And then I have days where I'm like, oh, I f- this feels like maybe I'm figuring this out. Maybe I've cracked this. You know, it's like you ricochet from one. It's like a pen, you know. An I think that's so important for 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 me to hear, for people to hear, because you always um, compare, like they say in AA, you always compare your insides to somebody else's outsides. Oh, right. So, so it's like, you know, one could easily think. I mean, Goop is is this sort of iconic thing that you could be like, yeah, man, I did it, and it's great, and. The truth of it is there are days where you work up and go, man, I've bitten off a lot. I don't know. Oh my I don't God. know what tomorrow's going to bring. Oh, my God. It's it's crazy. And you- The you bigger know, it gets, did you feel, do you feel more pressure? Yes. Yeah. The more money you raise, the more people you hire, you know, you're responsible Was it for the lot. first money raise frightening? Or did you feel no, good? No, because I didn't know what I was doing, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yes. I, I was like, okay, I guess, you know, we need to raise some money and- Somebody else was helping me figure out what that meant. And I was just sort of trying to tell the story. And I I raised my first round of seed money from this amazing group of women who just were readers of the site and who got what I was trying to do. And they weren't um, intimidating and they were so loving and so supportive. So my first experience with raising money was incredible. Mm. My second, when I went to raise the Series A... That was a whole other story. I mean, that was brutal. I finally did it, but, you know. Did you have to do like a road show and stand in front of? Yeah, basically. I mean, you're going from one VC to the next and you're, you know, and and at that point too, when a business is really young, there's, it's so risky. I mean, nobody has any idea. You're you're making up numbers out of thin air. You have no idea, like if marketing ultimately is going to work or right, right. If product yeah. is going to resonate with people. And you're like, well, we think this is going to be the thing. Do you want to, you know? And I was going into all these VCs. They're all men, all men. Um, and I'm talking about, you know. Big vaginas. <laughs> now that was, you hadn't had those yet. No, those hadn't come into play yet. But I was talking about women and what women want and what they're missing and who they are as consumers and how there's this big white space in the market. And, you know, at the time, like, clean beauty was not really a thing. And as you know, I'm really passionate about not having toxins where you can avoid them on your dermis or in your air and your water or whatever. Um and men, you know, didn't totally get it, shockingly. I, I, they got you, I bet. They're like, I don't know what the hell this one's selling. but Well, I mean, it's funny. The reason that Tony Florence, who is my main investor, my biggest share, shareholder, he, he invested in the company because he had had an anecdotal experience with Goop because he sat on the board of another company that we had talked about. And... After they were on, you know, he was reviewing a board deck and looking at a graph and, you know, they were sort of down towards the bottom in terms of numbers of customers they had. And then on this one day, it spiked. And those customers became really productive, high LTV customers. 
And he said, what happened on this day? And they said, oh, well, we, they talked about us on this website called Goop. So because Uh he had experienced the power of what Goop was, he was like ready to invest. And so he's been my biggest champion and mentor. And um, I got so, so lucky because I have a lot of, you know, a lot of entrepreneur friends who don't feel that way about their investors. So I'm, I got for there. sure. Yeah, it's it's a, it can be a sh- not a good shotgun marriage. Yes, <laughs> and, and I and I feel like the pressure of now it's not just your money. It's no. not just your time and energy. No. You're beholden to yeah. to other people. Yeah. I, I've seen that with Cheryl with her with the uh, with Cheryl Low Designs is when she got her investors the level of seriousness and the level of responsibility just that pressure can be really insane. Yes. That's why I'm just a stupid idiot that wears makeup for a living and stands on a mar. I just did like, I'm keeping it very, very simple. <laughs> uh, I, and it I, served you well, Rob. Yeah, it has. And the other thing is I will do anything to avoid math. Right. Then you definitely don't want to start a business because it's anything. It's a math nightmare. It's an Excel K-hole. I have some kind of visual processing disorder. My son, Matthew, has it as well. Uh, where when I look at certain stats on a screen, they it, it would be like, it's like, it's like it's a like, cartoon. It's like being dyslexic because I can read like you can't believe. Yeah. Like I'm one of the quickest, best readers, like off the charts crazy. But when it's like an Excel or yeah. numbers, they like move around in my eyes, like googly eyes. Like, I, get, I get googly porky pig eyes. Oh my God. Yeah. That, um, so I would, that would be a real problem. I need to have somebody like, well, just, you could be a founder. You, you just probably couldn't be a CEO. That's for sure. No, we don't, we, we, we don't want any, well, tell, how, how was the name goop? That was your nickname as a kid, right? Is that what it was? No. What was it? So what, so it was actually a nickname that Chris used to call me goopy sometimes for fun. That's great. You're so goopy. I know. He'd be like, hey, Goopy, because GP were my initials and he would, you know. Mm-hmm. And then weirdly and unrelatedly, when I was trying to think about this business, speaking of branding, I went to go see this guy in New York, Peter Arnell, who was a branding master. And I, I said I needed help to think about what the, I didn't want my name in it, but it would be nice if it was somehow related to me. And he just said one day, he was like, I got it. It's Goop. And I thought it was really like a terrible name. And he was like, no, trust me. It's, and I was like, why? It's goop is like, it's gross. It's like, and he said, no, you're going to reframe the way people hear the word. It's your initials with two O's in between. And all big internet companies have two O's in the name. I love that. All big big internet (laughs) companies have two O's. That's the problem with Quibi. That's where they fucked up. It should have been called Quobi. That Quobi. So then it was born. And then I just stuck with it. So good. And we'll be right back after this. I want to tell the story about, because again, I've seen you through all your iterations of love. You have, oh but my the God. best was the boyfriend you brought up who passed out in a jacuzzi. <laughs> That's can pre- I just say it's pretty good that I was such a I was so naive about drugs and alcohol. I mean, I still am. Like, of course, I drank alcohol, but I had a boyfriend who really was like 
taking pills and stuff. And you didn't know? I had no idea. And he had taken pills, he painkillers, I think. Just and the way you're saying it, I wish I wish people could see your face. You're saying <laughs> painkillers, like they're these newfangled well, this is things a long that you've ever ago. heard you've never heard of. This was a, lo- a long time ago. So he had taken a painkiller and other stuff, and we all were in the hot tub. This is at your old house in Montecito. Mm-hmm. And he got up out of the hot tub and literally like splatted on the brick. <laughs> his head hit the, the oh bricks. Oh my God. It sounded like. No, it if wasn't you, his head. It was his body hit the. Was it his it head? Was head? Oh my God. I blocked it no, out. No, because he had a concussion. Oh, it was so terrible. Because then he was seeing visions. Oh, yeah. So. Well, maybe that was the hallucinogenics. He. And then, and then he got back in and looked at you and clearly didn't know where he was or who you were at all. Wow. And then looked at me <laughs> and recognized me like, oh my God, it's Rob Lowe. And looked back at you and did not know you. And then slowly at all, he kind of came oh. to and was like, oh my God, that was insane. He goes, honey, I'm so sorry. I didn't know where I was and I didn't know who you were. And then I looked at Rob and I thought, I finally made it in Hollywood. Because if I'm in a jacuzzi with Rob Lowe, it must be the best Hollywood party ever. That's right. Right? Yes. So fucking. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah, I, I had some interesting boyfriends along the way. But your husband now, we love so much. I mean, I lo- I've loved all your guys. You have, you have very good taste. That's not true. You've not loved all of them. <sighs> I've appreciated all of them. <laughs> No? Yeah, okay. But your your current and your final, your husband Brad, you know, he's my he's my boss. Which how weird is that? He's my boss. But that happened because you were friends. That's right. So on on Lone Star, 911 Lone Star, Brad created it, wrote it for me. I knew he really wrote it for me when he wrote a firefighter who cared more about his hair than <laughs> his than, moisturizer, than, than his moisturizer and hair than saving lives. I was like, yeah, that sounds about right. That that that, that sounds about about right. Oh my right. god! He, it's but that's what's so fun is to be able to work with somebody like that. Um, you know, with the value of working with somebody you love yeah. and, and a friend and somebody who gets you and understands you and and, and is, that is his. Superpower, I think, on really understanding people and really getting people. It's true, and be, and he's able to articulate like what someone's strengths are in a, in a really interesting way. When we sit in casting meetings, and and he wants to talk about the actor that's just come in, or or or, or we're maybe going to out to offer it to an established star, he'll he'll articulate why they're right for it or mm. not right for it mm-hmm. in the most amazing way. Oh wow. See, I don't get to see his work side. I mean, I have. But he directs you in the politician. Yes, which is great. But I mean, I and you're great in it. You are great in the politician, and because it reminds me a lot of Blythe. Yes, a lot of Blythe going on. There's there. a little Blythe sprinkled in there. Little Blythe sprinkled in there. Mm-hmm. You're like the hot, waspy, multi decades younger Maggie Smith in Downton Abbey. I've never seen Downton Abbey. Oh, come on. I know. I've got to get it together. You have to get it together. Is it great? Do you know what? It's great. It is? It's great. Okay. I mean, I know that I don't really seem like a Downton Abbey guy. Uh, yes, you do. Do I? Yeah. Oh, good. Okay. I, I love it. Okay. I'm going to watch it. I never... There are like certain series that I missed along the way. Yeah. That I... I, I you know, like... I think also partially because I lived in... I was an expat in London for so long. Yeah. And shows would 
debut in America and be this huge deal. And then it would be a year till it got to London. By that point, I was so annoyed, like hearing everyone talk about how amazing Lost was or whatever that I was like, I'm not watching this. I missed the whole, I'm like, I missed the boat. I was in London doing a play when Lost was. So I never saw that. There's like all these big TV shows that I missed. Well, you're, when you see Maggie who crushes. She's phenomenal. And you crush. Okay. I'm going to watch. So what's it like working with your husband directing you? It's great. I mean, I just love being around him and he's so smart and he's so soothing and he just like gets me so well. And I think I'm a pain because I, you know, I don't, it's not my favorite thing to do. And Acting is not your favorite thing anymore. No, it's You're not. You're very funny about it. I just like, I just don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I just like, it's, I feel embarrassed and I like can't remember lines anymore. That's, I don't, but that's, I there's promise just, that's you ask him, no ask way. him. Cause I used to be, I used to be able to read a scene one time in the hair and makeup chair and know it perfectly. And now I struggle so much. Genuinely ask Brad. I think because I have so much in my head, you know, it's like I'm on set and I'm thinking about my business and the day's numbers and whatever, blah, 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 blah the issues and the people and like, I just don't have a lot of room to remember lines and stuff like that. But I, I swear, I know you're looking, I know. I don't believe it. Okay. Ask him after this. I've only acted with you once and you were a machine, but that was many, 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 many years Yeah. It's a long time ago. Now I'm like, I can't remember this fucking line. And then he'll, he writes me these monologues that are like a page long. to fuck with you? I'm like, Brad, you're killing me. Your wedding was the greatest wedding. Oh. Was so beautiful. Wasn't it fun? She literally had Steven Spielberg doing the was filming. <laughs> he was filming the wedding on his video camera. I know, because I thought it would be weird to have for a few reasons. I thought it'd be weird to have like a produced video with like a team of videographers. Like I, I'm, a, I feel self conscious in front of the camera, which is part of the reason acting makes me a little uncomfortable. No one would ever believe that. That's thing. That's see. That's thing. That's why people go that Gwyneth. Who she's who she thinks it's. But it's the truth. No, it's really the truth. Like I get uncomfortable in front of a camera, and Stephen gets un- uncomfortable in social situations. So I was like, this is perfect. I'll hand on the camera. He'll be so happy, and then I'll get a wedding video out of it. You are fucking unbelievable. <laughs> oh my he god. He filmed everything. He filmed the whole wedding. It was unbelievable to watch to watch Steven Spielberg. Make home movies. Oh my gosh. But you know what? That's that's how I know him my whole life. All he does is make home movies. Like if you go there for dinner and it's more than just a double date or something, he he is filming it. Really? Always. Always, always, always. He has more home movie footage than you can possibly fathom. He always is filming. He loves it. How has he not made that? I mean, how much would you love to see? That documentary. I know. I know. And he loves you so much. It's so funny to watch him with you, to watch you guys together. It's like you forget he's Steven Spielberg. Yeah. I had the greatest conversation with him about Jaws at your wedding. You did? I did. Because I'm a huge Jaws fan. And he's like, I feel so bad about Jaws. I just, I feel that people hate sharks and I feel I'm responsible for it. He is. He is responsible. He's responsible for people not swimming in the ocean like my husband. Who's like scared to swim in a lake because of Jaws? It it, it really did traumatize a, a, a I know. generation of people. I'm so glad I didn't 
see Jaws until much later because I love swimming in the ocean. It's such a good, it's one of my all-time favorite movies. Same with Brad. You know, his his son Brody is named after. Oh, no, after Chief Brody? After Chief Brody. I never knew that. Yes. Come on. I swear. He, yeah, he calls him Chief. No yeah. way. Uh-huh. See, this is why I love your 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 husband. He's a Jaws fan, and he's a Spring, Bruce Springsteen. And he's a Bruce Springsteen. You too, and you're Bruce Springsteen. Are we the whitest? Beyond. Middle-aged. Are we the whitest yes. middle-aged Beyond. guys that you know? Yes. Painfully with, white and with, painfully with our middle-aged. Bruce Springsteen <laughs> power fisting. <laughs> But you've but and your and your football games after Thanksgiving and your the turkey. It's called the Turkey Bowl. The Turkey it's not Bowl after Thanksgiving. Well, whatever. It's before Thanksgiving. <laughs> I, I'm always cooking. Yeah, so I'm not paying attention. You you didn't go to the. I've never seen you at a Springsteen show. Brad goes. I've never been. We're like growing. It's, it's so, so good. Upsetting. It's, I can't even talk about. It's this. the whitest. It's it's the most it's white. So white. But you know. I, you know what, I, I love that he and you or anyone, when someone has that level of fandom about someone, it's actually so beautiful. And for him, I honestly think between Springsteen and the Red Sox, mm-hmm. that's, it's religious for him. Like whatever religion provides for people, structure, meaning, emotion, you know, understanding where you are in time and space masculinity like it provides him with such fullness yeah now that tom brady's gone from the patriots he's i can't is he wearing a black armband that was a rough day in our house i'm not gonna lie yeah it's a, it's a it's i don't know what we're gonna do without sports like this i really i really i truly truly i haven't noticed do not i mean i'm losing my mind with all this it's crazy Okay, what do I think? You what should I, start cooking with me, and then you'll get I, your mind off. Sports. I'm a terrible cook. I know. I'm a good eater. I know. I've seen your quarantine uh, Dude, baby. Yeah, yeah, I have a. I I am. Pr- I'm pregnant with an ice cream baby. <laughs> I have. A, I have a quarantine baby. You literally sat down last night and ate a pint of Hagen Dazs ice cream. It's a. I, I'm. I'm good. I'm having a gender reveal for my baby next week. What is it going to be? Do I don't think? know, but then I'm going to paint the nursery. <laughs> Because I'm, I'm definitely in my third trimester. I just when I look in the mirror. The, I think the the upside of this surreal, crazy, tragic, like indescribable time is that I feel like we're one one positive aspect is we're all being a lot easier on ourselves about our bodies because we're just what are we going to do? Yeah. No, and and easier on ourselves about. That, you know, if you want to take a nap in the middle of the day, that's okay. If you you don't, if you want to work, that you work, you don't work. It's just, it's kind of the sky's the limit. It's been very strange. It really has. And I just think it, you know, stillness like this brings up so much to the surface. And that's been a really interesting part, like examining what is really going on beneath all the stuff that we busy ourselves with all day. Yeah. I'm good in my own company. I, I spend, as you know, when I'm here... I can sit up by the fire and just sit. I know. And just it's great. And she'll be like, Cheryl's not like my wife's not like that. I think no. opposites are good, right? Like she's you don't want to, yeah. I, I wouldn't want to be married to someone who's too much like me. No, I think that gets hard. I mean, I think I think you guys share a lot of the same values, but your personalities are very different. 
Right. 100% on the values. Like, yeah. I don't know how people stay married who have, like, legitimate no, you're differences very, in how to raise kids no, or whatever. You're very aligned, but you just have a different way of operating in the world. Yes. 100%. No, I've been, I've been, I've been very lucky. Um, all right. This, do you remember, how many times have you been on the cover of Vanity Fair? Once, maybe? Twice? But for sure. At least once. Yes. I think Twice. So at the end, at the end of Vanity Fair, they used to have the Proust questionnaire. Oh, yeah, I love that questionnaire. Okay, so I have my version of it. Okay. It's called the Lowdown. Mm. Because every hacky article ever written about me had that title. Oh, God. So, so gross, right? So this is my version of the Proust questionnaire. Okay. Um, first of all, okay, let's start with this one. Rolling Stones or Beatles? Rolling Stones. That was fast. But most overrated Beatles. Um, I don't actually think there was an overrated Beatle. Most overrated cast member friends. Is this really a question? This is the, this is the Rob. This is the Rob. All right. All right, all right no, we, we, they're all great. We can keep moving on. But you know, the thing about friends is it, it was what it was because of each one of them, like the chemistry of the six of them was so perfect. You didn't, that was, you already had won an Oscar by then. You wouldn't no. have been auditioning by friends, would you? I did not audition for Friends, no. What did you ever audition for that you didn't... That I didn't get? Yeah. Um, Legends of the Fall. Really? Mm-hmm. Julie Ormond part? Yep, I got really close, like down to the wire. There's another movie I lost to Julia Ormond. What was it? was a remake of an Audrey Hepburn movie with... Oh, man. What was oh. it called? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Help me. Yes, Sabrina. Sabrina. I then, so Julia Ormond was your nemesis. No, that's a bit extreme. But I did lose two movies to her. I that's audition. That's nemesis. Where okay, I come from. there you go. I used to lo- lose movies to Tim Hutton in the day. Or oh. Ordinary people being. I mean, right. I mean, come on. That's that's a bummer. That's as big as it gets. But my mom always said, you know, she said if you don't get a part, that means it's just not your part. There'll be other parts that are yours, and you'll get those. Right. And then I felt much more relaxed about it. It, it, it is true, because when people give me shit about turning down Grey's Anatomy, you know, it's like, it wasn't really, like, it would have been a lot of money and all of that stuff. That's another TV show that I have to start watching. My daughter loves that show. It's great. It's great. You and turned it down? McDreamy. Could have been me. You know who reminds me of that all the time? What? Who? Cheryl. I don't know what McDreamy is. What's you that? don't know who you don't know who McDreamy is. No, the best. What are you talking about? This is the best because there's a whole. This is the other thing I love about you. There's a whole part of you that literally has no idea <laughs> about anything. Oh my god, not anything. It's like pop culture stuff. That's what I don't know about. But you you own it. Like t- today, to not know pop pop culture. By the way, I could give a flying fuck about most of it too. I want to be more like you. I really do. Because you, you have a way of, like, owning your lack of interest in <laughs> pop culture. Terrible. But it, no, but it's true. Oh it's awesome. Because usually, like, McDreamy, what is that? Like, what oh, is that, though? What is, what is McDreamy? This yeah. is the best. What is it? McDreamy is the leading man on Grey's Anatomy. His name is McDreamy? Well, that's part of the issue. Oh. They... Which is like I intuited, I think, when I had the meeting with everybody, 
that there was a level of objectification of men. Oh, my God. Because, no, of course his name isn't McDreamy. That's the objectified name. It's basically saying hot guy. But Um, in the script? It's Patrick Dempsey. Oh, but they wrote in the script McDreamy? I don't know how it came up, but but it's a thing. I'm going to have to, right? But it's a thing. So, yeah, yeah, McDreamy. Absolutely. Was his name like McMillan in it or something? I I don't even think so. No, it's something normal. Oh, okay. Derek. (laughs) Yeah, Derek. Yeah, Derek, Derek, like Shepard or something okay. like that. Yeah, I think that's right. But uh, admit yes. that Patrick Dempsey in Can't Buy Me Love was dreamy. Well, if you think he's dreamy in that, wait do you see him in this. Really? Oh, yeah, because he's like a guy and his hair is amazing. I like, okay, I got to watch it. Um, And then think about the money that I lost. Oh, Rob, it's I conservati- feel so bad for you. It's conservative $70 million. Rob. It's not polite to talk about money, and don't talk but, about it on a podcast. Blythe is here. Are you crazy? I'm. That's what he makes. Okay. That's <laughs> dreamy money. <laughs> that could have been mine. Uh, um, all right. Well, back to the qu- the questionnaire. Um, has there ever been a cartoon character that you were sexually attracted to? A cartoon character. Yeah. Like I like the 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 rap the female rabbit with the purple eyes and the Aristocats when I was little. Let me think. No. I how did I know that that answer? No, I can see how a guy. Well, we'll sexualize anything first of all, right? Let's, but let's like just you've be got open. Jessica Rabbit and Jessica, stuff, and yes. we have like Papa Smurf. Like you, you who are we nobody. supposed to get a boner over? Paul Bunyan. Popeye? Somebody did, and it was a guy, and recently say Porky Pig. That's because, really... Because the hooves made his legs like he was wearing heels. Stop being friends with whoever said that. Is that the best? It's so, it's so dark and disturbing. Isn't it the greatest? <laughs> we have to just really quickly talk okay. about one of the great, like pieces of trivia that in the cat and the hat. Okay. Oh yes. The cat and the hat, Mike Myers, cat and the hat. Mike will be on the show at some point. He based his character on your father. Yes. He did the best Bruce Paltrow impersonation of all time. And he used to do it in to my father and my father would cry laughing, cry. It was so fun. That was during the period of time where we were all making view from the top. Yep. Um, which is really not a good movie. and It's not our best work. No, but we had the fun, and Mike Myers was so freaking funny. Oh, my God. And honestly, like, my dad and Mike Myers fell in love and had such this great friendship. Those two had the most amazing... Oh, my God. And Robin, Mike's ex-wife, and my father were really close, too. He loved Robin. I just love the idea of Mike rolling into the set one day and going, so here's what I'm thinking with the character of the cat. And the cat in the hat. He's really Bruce Paltrow. I know. Like, I'm sorry. But I'm sorry, my what? dad was a great character, was a as great you char- know. Yeah. It's, I love that. So uh, do yourselves a favor. Watch The Cat in the Hat. Bruce Paltrow lives again. It's true. It's so great. So great. Darling, I love you so much. I love you too. Thank you for having me. Tell me just briefly, like, how did you, when did you start this podcast? So what happened was I... Have thought that, that I had like a talk show in me, mm-hmm. 
And I was talking to Ellen for a minute about taking over her show when she quit. And then the timing was never going to be right on that. And so I just sort of put that to bed. And then I did the Goop podcast, the Mark Marin podcast, a couple other podcasts and had so much fun yeah. because it was a, a an area where people could get together and talk and which you used to be able to do on actual talk shows before it was like, we want you to come on and, and, and play pin the tail on the donkey. Yeah. It's like, what the fuck? It's not, I'm not enough. I've worked my whole life to be entertaining and interesting. And it is you, crazy. When you see clips of old talk shows like Dick Cavett and there's like weird long pauses and long stories. It's like people sat out there for 15 minutes. It was amazing. You, but you got to know them. Yeah, you did. It's true. And you go like on YouTube and watch great appearances on Carson. They're yeah. amazing. Yeah, it's true. But now you get these amazing people on and the next thing you know, they're playing a go, it's a go-kart rally yeah, backstage. I'm like, yeah. I, I don't want to see Elon Musk in a go-kart. I want to. <laughs> I do, but I get it. But you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so I love this, that this exists, that we we can do that because, you know, you, you'd never get to talk like this anywhere other no. than. And the other thing is I, I know enough interesting people and have had a history with enough people that. I can bring out stories that there's no way anybody else will ever know. Yeah. They're fun and interesting. And That's true. Stories I only tell my friends. The podcast version. The podcast version. That's exactly it. All, All right. right. Thank, thank, thank you. Thank you. Yay! Good job, Ryan. Thank you. It wasn't. It was fun, right? Yeah. <laughs> I love that woman so much. She is just. There's nobody like her. There's just no one like her. She's got every club in the bag. Um, that was as good as I had hoped it would be. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did, and uh, I'll see you next time. You have been listening to Literally with Rob Lowe. Produced and engineered by me, Devin Tory Bryant. Executive produced by Rob Lowe for Low Profile. Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco and Colin Anderson and Chris Bannon at Stitcher. The supervising producer is Aaron Blaird. Talent producer, Jennifer Samples. Please rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, and remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Stitcher. Stitcher.